If you're new here, we don't have a normal, so um, welcome. Today, a uh, special day for us, uh, we're going to have an abbreviated time of teaching, and then we're going to uh, close out with communion like we always do, and then we're going to have a time of baptism out front in a horse trough, so that's going to be awesome. And so um, thank you guys for being here on, the, on this special day. We, for those of you who are new, we've been teaching through the book of Matthew it's just been awesome. And a couple of weeks ago, we ended up on this scripture where uh, Jesus um, was baptized himself. And it was a very unique uh, experience. And, and, and the sermon's online. I'm not going to re-preach the whole sermon. I wanted to give you a few thoughts uh, from that sermon today as we go into this time of baptism. Because hopefully it's a time of worship for all of us. To be able to step back and remember what it represents. Um, not just, for, certainly for us personally, but then also for the entire world. Because here is this event that is happening that changed the trajectory of our hope. As we read through scripture, we see from Genesis to Revelation, we see this, what we call this redemptive arc, this, this one big story of God creating, and then his, this story of redemption, the story of redemption where he redeems and makes new his, his creation. And that we live in the middle of that story. That we live this side of the cross, this side of a new covenant. But we live on this side of that and we're still in the middle of this story that's being lived out right now. This amazing great story that we, we get to be a part of. But in the middle of that story, uh, Jesus came to the place where John the Baptist was baptizing. And they were baptizing a baptism of repentance from sin. So it was physically representing an acknowledgement of sin, and then the water was washing over, and so it was significant. It was representing a, repent, uh, a baptism of, of repentance. And so Jesus gets in the water, and he comes to John, and John has been prophesying about the Messiah, and he's looking at him, and he's going, this is, the, this is the one I've been telling you about. This is him. And he gets in the water, and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John's been baptizing a baptism of uh, uh, repentance from sin, right? And Jesus gets in the water, whom has no sin. And John looks at him and is like, I need to be baptized by you. I don't, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said something really interesting at that moment. He, he, he essentially said, I want you to put aside your desire right now and the way you want to do things. Literally, the phrase was, I want you to suffer it for a moment and just do things my way because this has to be done in order to fulfill all righteousness. So there's this really cool moment where, talk about a humbling experience. Could you imagine you knowing you need to be baptized by the Son of God and he comes into the water and he goes, no, how about you dunk me? <laughs> that would change some things. But it was just a new thing, a new way that Jesus was teaching, but it was also a new baptism. Because something that was happening there was this new covenant, this new way that Jesus was making for us to be able to stand pure before God. It was no longer going to be about us, you know, doing all the right things, going through all the right motions, checking all the right boxes like we still try to do a lot, right? Um, but it was about a relationship and receiving the fact that because of justice, Christ laid down his life to make good on our sin. That's just crazy. And, and that what's interesting, this, his baptism represented a handful of things. I think we need to remember every time we see someone baptized, every time we think about Christ's baptism or we think about or consider our own, that Jesus got in the water in that moment 2,000 years ago, not because he needed to get cleansed from sin, 
but because he was identifying himself with ours. So Jesus gets in the water 2,000 years ago and is baptized, symbolically identifying himself with our humanity. That 2,000 years later, you and I might be able to get in the water and identify ourselves with him. How beautiful is that? What an amazing word picture. No one taught me that when I was younger. I thought just baptism, well, it's an outward expression of an inward decision, right? You hear that. It's your public profession. Either you're ashamed of Jesus or you'll, you'll deny him before man or, or you'll proclaim, you know, all these things that almost are fear-based to understand that what's happening is this new covenant is being ushered in and this new thing that Jesus is doing. And he humbled himself, one, to become a man, walked on this earth, and then was baptized, a sinner's baptism, that he might identify himself with our humanity to later then take the cross in our sin. What a beautiful word picture. So there's a handful of things, though, that happened in this baptism. The first one is, is this identification with Christ, our identity in Christ, finding ourselves in him, that he did it first. So there's the reasons for this baptism. One is, is just this identification, which is a very beautiful thing. But another thing is interesting, and a lot of people don't know, is that, it's also identification with his body, okay? A lot of people wonder, well, why do I need to be baptized in order to be a part of a church? Well, if that, that is exactly what the baptism represents, being a part of his body, the bride of Christ, the church. So there's this symbol, symbolism there also of identifying ourselves with this thing that he established that was supposed to represent him to the world, that was supposed to be his hands and feet. I was supposed to represent who he was uh, to creation and be, you know, the, the messengers of this, of, this, um, of this gospel that we proclaim. So it's a new identity, and it's, an, it's, an, it's a new body, and it's a new covenant. It's a new covenant that if we would receive him, Scripture simply says that God would then call us sons and daughters. Which is, that's bigger than just, okay, you get into heaven, Right? It's a bigger deal. If we would understand our identity in Christ, we would understand that the Father, the creator of this universe, he spoke, and it was, and, and it was you know, like let there be light, and there was light. Um, he calls you, and he calls me, his sons and daughters because of what happened through Christ. And so it's an amazing thing that we get to celebrate today. And I, I always am drawn back, and there's one more thing I think is really important that has a lot to do with us, because other stuff really doesn't have anything, it, it has to do with Christ and what he does. But it's this story that I read during the sermon last time that I want to go ahead and re- remind you and read uh, today and uh, give you this last thought, and then we'll, we'll move into communion and worship together. And this was in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 8. Uh, it's a story of Philip with all of the disciples. They were scattered because of persecution. And they were going to different places. It's really funny to me that this is this is that the the disciples they didn't they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go out, and they just loved what was happening where they were. So there had to be persecution in order to get them to go and do the things that they were supposed to do. But there's a story of Philip, and he was being sent uh, down the desert road. Scripture says in verse 26 that the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem. So he started out on, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he had, he had been in Jerusalem and was coming back. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot 
reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So there's, a, there's a lesson there just in obedience of not only understanding, but when God says do something, maybe he's got something going on. Maybe he's actually gone before us. But he said, go, go buy this chariot. And he says, just go and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he responded, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage from, from Isaiah. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave order to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. I think one of the things that we learn in this story, that is something that Jesus certainly taught over and over and over, was a new attitude, a new posture, a new way to look at religion, a new way to look at other people, a new way to look at God. But here he taught a new posture in regards to the things of Christ. And I think it's very important when we think about baptism because I think a lot of times, for whatever reason, whether it's fear or whether it's misunderstanding or lack of, of pursuit of understanding or whatever experiences, whatever reasoning we have, I think there's a new posture that Jesus taught that was reflected in this Ethiopian man. And in this moment when he came upon water, after he came into the truth of Christ, he saw the water and he said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? It's a great question. And I think so many of us, our question instead is, why should I have to? Or why would I? And you fill in the blank, whatever it may be. But a new attitude that Christ taught that was reflected in this story, the Ethiopian eunuch, was, what would keep me from doing that? What, what would, and I don't even know if that's a rhetorical question, although it's not answered, because then you could fill in the blank and none of those things make sense. All of those things are lies. All of those things are misunderstandings. But moving from why should I have to do that to why wouldn't I? From why to why not? It's a beautiful, beautiful challenge to each one of us. So here's what we're about to do. Every, every week we take communion together. We close in a time of worship where the band comes and plays. We'll read some scripture together. We'll pray Lord's Prayer together. When the band begins to play, there are, there are tables around the, the room here where you could go and you could take the bread, dip it in the cup, take communion. Um, three of them have candles that can be prayer candles. If there's something on this day or each Sunday that you have that you're praying about, or you just want to surrender, symbolically light a candle to do that, you can. We'll have some uh, members of our prayer team back at this back right table, your left, that if there's something you want to pray about or need someone to pray with you about, I just want to talk about that. They'll be there for you. And we do that every, every week. But when we're done today, we'll have brief time of announcements and, and we'll close in prayer. We're going to go out front and we're going to 
observe baptism, we're going to be able to see people who have come to the place in their life, whether they're children or adult, who have said, why wouldn't I do this? If Christ is my Christ, if I truly believe and want to rec- and have received what his free gift of life, why would I not want to identify myself with him in this way? Why would I not receive this thing? And what's so amazing, I think, about Christ's baptism is, is that was the beginning of his public ministry. It was after his baptism that the heavens opened up and the spirit ascended on him in the form of a dove. And literally from heaven, God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And something happened in that moment that was just empowering. And he began this public ministry that led to the cross. I'm so amazed when people make that motion, that movement towards baptism, how empowering it can be in their lives. I've seen people who've stepped into faith and have waited years, and there's just this hesitation, and there's this thing, and they can't explain why, but there's also a lack of power in their life for some reason. And I can't fully explain it, but I just believe with all my heart something happens in that moment. I don't, I don't believe the water saves you. I believe that happens the moment you bend your heart to Christ. And you receive what he's given to us. But there's something about it. And so we get to celebrate that today. Several of you are already being baptized. A handful of you are. When we begin our time of worship and communion, you could take communion. Or when we begin, just go ahead and head out into the lobby. You could get changed and meet Trey over by the front doors. But if you're here today and you had no intention of being baptized, but you know you're supposed to and you want to, we're going to invite you to join us. We actually have extra pairs of shorts and T-shirts and towels right out back here. And if that's you, I want you to pray about it, consider it. And um, there'll be someone. Actually, I'll meet you out back here in this hallway um, during the time of communion. And we could visit and talk about it and and go from there. But we would invite you in that. And maybe today is a day as you just hear these words, something resonates with you. Maybe it's that moment where you step into a relationship with Christ the first time. It's not, it's not much more than understanding that he is ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And he died on the cross for us and we believe in our heart in him and trust in him. That he's the only way that we are able to come in the presence of God to be forgiven for their, our sins. Maybe today you take communion for the first time as a believer. Maybe today you're baptized as a believer. We encourage you to do that. My prayer is that these last few moments, we're going to do two songs, communion together, is just a moment of freedom. And that whatever resistance or whatever anything, that you would just be free and worshiping and praying and inviting the Spirit to move in those who are being baptized, but then also opening yourself up. Maybe it's not baptism. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it may be, I pray that this, this day, this, this morning, you would receive this beautiful thing that Christ offers us. You would consider that 2,000 years ago, he got in the water to identify himself with us and our humanity, that we might be known as children of God. Let's do that, okay?